Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Brilliance Security Podcast. Hello, my name is Steve Bocut, and I am an editor for Brilliance Security Magazine. Brilliance is an online digital publication dedicated to the security industry. Our mission, and thus our name, is to illuminate the intersection of physical and cybersecurity. We cover both of these security domains by publishing original content about threats, hacks, products, and security strategies. We hope you will enjoy this podcast and visit us at brilliancesecuritymagazine.com. Welcome to the Brilliant Security Magazine podcast, and thank you for joining us today. We appreciate your listening. Today, we're going to be talking with Zach Schuler. He's the founder and CEO of Ninjio, and we're going to be discussing cybersecurity awareness training, why it works. Before we get started, let me tell you a little bit about our guest. Zach Schuler is the founder and CEO of Ninjio, a global cybersecurity awareness company that teaches employees and their families how not to get hacked. Zach is an authority on cybersecurity, employee engagement, and related tech issues. He has written for Forbes, HR Dive, Dark Reading, and many other outlets. Welcome, Zach, and thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. My first question is, do I call you Steve or Steven? (laughs) <laughs> Good question. And either one is fine. Steven is, is my, uh, my real name. And that's what my mother always insisted on calling me. But I go by Steve. So I can usually tell if somebody knows me, if they call me Steve, that we know each other. If they call me Steven, they're looking at my, uh, my email signature line. So either well, one I, is fine. I know you now, so I'll call you Steve. All right. Thank you. <laughs> okay. So um, let's start. Uh, first of all, I have to tell you, I am really excited about this interview. This is something that, I mean, I look forward to all of the interviews, but I think we have great guests on the show, uh, but I've been particularly looking forward to this one. Um, I'm great. Uh, excited about the work that you do, and uh, I'm going to devotee to the importance of, of what it is you do. So this is going to be a good experience for me. I'd like to start with kind of a high-level overview of Ningio. Tell us kind of maybe the background of the company, the size, the history, core competencies. Um, most people are going to be aware, aware of who you are, but let's assume there's somebody out there who says, uh, who's Ningio? Well, I hope uh, not everybody is. Well, I wish everybody were aware of who we are, but I, I, I don't know if that's the case. So um, as you stated, Ningio is a... Uh, cybersecurity awareness uh, company uh, that does uh, cybersecurity awareness training and simulated phishing. Um, If we rewind the clock a bit, um, the way that the company uh, got started and uh, ideated was um, it basically has its roots back to the company that I had before this called CalNet Technology Group, which was a managed services provider. Uh, I started it at the age of 21 uh, out of my fraternity house back in 1995, um, and we would go in and manage small and medium-sized business networks. And so I've got a you know a technical background doing that. And um, over the course of the years of of, of running CalNet, uh, we would see clients succumb to breaches, and many of them were um, not extremely sophisticated, not and not. Uh, extremely harmful. They were, you know, attacks uh, w- with names you might remember, like spyware and adware, and you know, stuff like that, right? Just sure. kind of trying to figure out what the person's doing. 
Um, but in almost in almost every event where we would respond to, you know, a breach or a piece of malware on a machine, we could almost always link that back to a user interaction. Something that the user did or did not do uh, was the reason that the spyware, adware, malware, et cetera, ended up on the machine. I had a fleeting thought at the time where I said, man, if I could only teach people what to do and what not to do when they're interacting with their computing devices, I would save my clients a lot of headache and heartache. It was a fleeting thought because starting a training company in the middle of running a hundred person managed services uh, company that was, you know, uh, relatively complicated. Uh, it just wasn't in the cards at that point. Um, as I said, I, I, I exited the company in October of 2013 to a private equity group. Uh, I helped my dad sell uh, his business within the next year. And then um, you'll be surprised that I can actually peg this date, but it'll be Two days from today, July 15th, 2015, so six years ago in two days, I had the idea of Mingio. Hmm. And the reason I know that is because I use an application called Evernote to take notes on all my ideas and businesses and everything. And a few years back, I went back and I said, you know, I wonder when I had the idea of Ningio. And I was able to peg it back to July 15th. <laughs> Very cool. uh, so in two days from now, it'll be my sixth year anniversary of the idea. And the idea was pretty simple. It was pretend I'm Joe. I'm your average information worker sitting in front of a computer for eight hours a day. Uh, security threats are abound. And I need to learn how to defend myself and my company against them. However, it is not training that I need to do to actually get my job done. Right. And so that pre pre presents a bit of a challenge because if a company is training you and you're a sales rep on your new CRM software, regardless of how boring or engaging the training is, you better pay attention because you need to know how to do that in order to get your job done. Right. Security awareness training is not one of those types of trainings. Like you have to do this to do your, your normal day-to-day -day operations, right? And so putting myself in that mindset, you know, there were a few concepts that came about. Number one, Train in brief increments, three to four minutes long, which is uh, at the time I didn't know what that was called, but today it's called micro learning. Mm -hmm. um, train using storytelling instead of lecturing. How many people have been through training that's a death by PowerPoint with a voiceover, or I call it, you know, VOPP, voiceover PowerPoint, mm -hmm. right? That's uh, about as boring as it gets. So train in three to four increments that are story based. The reason we use stories is because stories can emotionally engage the viewer where a lecture simply cannot. It's really hard to emotionally engage a viewer through a lecture. Um, and then last, kind of another last and core component of it was make the stories based on or inspired by real events that have recently taken place and have captured news headlines. Because when you do that, you create a high level of relevance between the viewer and the story. And it eliminates from the mind of the viewer, oh, this could never happen to us. Well, yes, it can happen to you because it happened to them, right? You want to take away the science fiction component of the, the episode that they're about to preview. Um, and so, you know, those were some kind of key concepts that I developed uh, back in July of 2015 uh, that have uh, held up today. We've added a bunch of other concepts on, on top of that. But 
you know, that really gets into the beginning of Ningio and, and, and really how we got started. So that's, that's fascinating. So a couple of things you said there that, that kind of, I kind of keyed on. So this relevance issue, I love that idea that what you're learning is relevant to what's going on with the current affairs. But the two questions come to mind when I hear that one is that means there's a lot of development that you have to do because current affairs keep changing. That's and, right. uh, and then do you, do you do that kind of a, a, in an agnostic manner? I mean, you, or, or am I going, if I were to take your classes, would I be learning about solar winds, for example, or would I just be learning yes. about a, a big multinational MSP, you know, with, with yeah. similar circumstances? Great question. So the way that we construct our episodes, first of all, to address your point on relevance, and we always have to be on top of everything. You're absolutely right. Uh, we release a new episode every 30 days. Okay. Uh, we are currently in season six. We just released episode seven. So that means that we have now released 67 episodes. We launched oh, wow. January 1st of 2016. So you take 16, 17, 18, 19, and 20. That's five years, 12 episodes apiece. That's 60 episodes plus seven in 2021 plus 15 compliance tracks. So yes, we are all over it. We're consistently creating new content based on things that are happening right now. Um, your, wow, I just, I just uh, blanked on your second uh, question. <laughs> are they anonymous? Would you mention a particular ah, you know, great, company great that got hacked? So the way that we construct the episode is that in the beginning of episode, there's a backstory. Oh, and the backstory says that this episode is based on or inspired by um, the um, Kaseya breach is okay. a foreign recent example, right? Sure. We'll tell the backstory as publicly um, disclosed, you know, a, 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 as we can. And then when we get into the episode itself, we don't want to violate any company's intellectual property rights, use their logos or anything else like that. And so we would probably, uh, in the in Kaseya's case, we will change that name to be okay. something else Got it. Uh, in, in the episode itself. Okay, but there's enough accuracy there that, so that someone who didn't know some of the details about what happened with Kaseya, they could go through your training and actually come from that training, understanding what happened there better than, than they would have otherwise. Uh, better is a key word, right? Because at the end of the day, Kaseya or most other companies who have been breached will not disclose exactly how the attack happened. Sure. And so there is a component of uh, nonfiction to the episode, right? The backstory and, and the overall thing that happened. And there's an element of fiction because many times what we are forced to do is apply our own attack vector to the story. So in the case of Kaseya, uh, we are uh, going to talk about uh, passwords and the recycling of passwords, how, how Verizon says that I think the number 67% of breaches are due to compromised credentials that are found on the dark web, mm -hmm. uh, being aware of those and, you know, certainly not recycling, reusing passwords on multiple sites. And we're really trying to get people into the mindset of changing your password to a passphrase, uh, okay. uh, which is easier to remember and uh, more lengthy. And if you read the new NIST guidelines, um, you know, length trumps complexity. Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, 
Okay. So kind of migrating from that question a little bit, I'd like to hear some more about the, the training programs. Now you mentioned um, uh, simulated phishing. Uh, that's one that comes to okay. mind, but you've also talked about, you know, the importance of passwords. So I'm assuming that your training program covers both of those aspects of cybersecurity and are there others? So, Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, we cover everything from, SIM card hijacking to multi-factor authentication to watering hole attacks uh, to USB drive-bys to, uh, you know, office-enabled, macro-enabled documents with uh, malware within them. Um, The list goes on and on, right? We're not only about training people on phishing, spear phishing, whaling, smishing attacks, Mm -hmm. but all sorts of other threats that they may face on a day-to-day basis. Most recently, especially last year, a lot of our episodes were based on uh, scams, and not even you know real oh, okay. uh, reaches, but but more you know COVID scams to look out for. We covered uh, you know COVID charity scams and the the John Hopkins uh, coronavirus map malware scam. Uh, as opposed to many others. Uh-huh. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, and let me back up just kind of a half a step here. The, the question just kind of came to my mind. I'm just curious. So do you have, and forgive me for not knowing this, but I've not seen your training program, but do you have like a cast of characters that are pervasive throughout all of uh, the training? Or are there yeah. people that, that, you know, characters that show up at each, in each episode? How does that work? Yeah. So uh, we do uh, in some respects and we don't in others. So we want, every training to individually be able to stand on its own without the user have having to seen any character development that has gone on previous to that. Okay. So we avoid creating, you know, a season with a, a set of characters because, you know, a company might say, you know what, season three, episode five is really relevant to my organization right now. And that's the episode I want to release. Mm -hmm. And without any prior knowledge, we want the uh, viewer to be able to understand all aspects of the episode. Now, having said that, we do have a couple of recurring characters, uh, Louis and Nico, uh, within the episodes, and they're they're bad actors. And then Louis Sr. has entered the picture. And on top of that, and I'm glad you asked this question, Starting last year, I would guesstimate probably 60 to 70% of our episodes featured celebrity actors uh, as as voices. And so, um, you know, and then starting in September of last year, we made a commitment to our clients and to ourselves that every future Ninja episode would feature a celebrity actor. So on our roster, we've got actors such as John Lovitz, whom you might be familiar with. Uh, Mm -hmm. John was a on Saturday Night Live for five years in a row. He's a recurring voice and family guy and a recurring character in The Simpsons. And, you know, John's done done a ton. Um, we've got a gentleman by the name of Robert Davi, best known for his uh, appearance in the movie The Goonies, where he, he plays one of the uh, Fratelli brothers, the guy that uh, sings opera. Uh, we have uh, a famous uh, Black comedian named uh, Alex Thomas, uh, who wrote multiple episodes of the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, and now that um, um, uh, COVID has lifted, Alex is touring around the country uh, doing stand-up at, at, at comedy clubs. We also have Tia Carrere, best known for her uh, 
uh, appearance on, on Wayne's World. Uh, we have Stacy Keach, the current voice of American Greed, sure. and who's played in uh, many, many other uh, movies and, and, and television programs. And so uh, the cast is going to continue developing to continue to go on. But, you know, that's how we as, a, as an organization innovate, right, is that we're making our production quality better. Uh, we're, we're, you know, bringing on more professional voices that just increase the production value. Um, and, you know, there's a lot more uh, to it. But, um, you know, um, that's a long winded answer. Uh, about characters and character creation. Okay. Well, thank you. That was fascinating. I had no idea. Um, but that, and that brings to mind another question. So it, it seems like you, you're kind of straddling two worlds here. You've got the, the personal, you know, me and my family, what do we need to know to be safe? And then you've got the corporate. Um, do you have different um, uh, training programs for each of those? I mean, if, if, if I'm, yeah, if I'm working for a major, you know, yeah. fortune 500 company, am I going to be watching the same episodes as I am? If it's me and my teenagers learning how to keep our home network safe. That, that that's a fantastic question. So um, back, back in 2017, uh, I was on a call with uh, my Gartner analyst and she told me in no uncertain terms, Zach, your episodes, while they are created, for organizations, employees thereof, and many of the episodes are based within corporate environments. The lessons from the episodes can equally apply uh, to home as they do at work, at least the vast majority of them, right? Sure. And so we are talking about concepts like phishing, smishing, ransomware, um, you know, uh, the, import the importance of, uh, you know, uh, uh, secure public Wi-Fi, all of these sorts of topics that equally apply to people at work as they do at home. Yeah. And so the, the answer is yes. Our episodes do a great job of crossing over and educating people in both places. Because I guess the truth of the matter is if I do work at this Fortune 500 company, I do go home at least eventually, right? And so, I, I, yeah. <laughs> so the, the risks follow me there. Okay, interesting. That's right. Um, all right, so let's let's change path here a little bit and talk about the importance of a company culture of cybersecurity awareness. Yeah, uh, how important is that? And and maybe we'll combine a couple of questions that I have in, into one question here. And what can the C-suite do, you know, to make that culture throughout the company? Um, what have you learned about that? Yeah. Well, the first thing I've learned is that culture is paramount. Yeah. Um, when you create a cyber security culture within an organization, um, and, and one that has truly ingrained itself into the organization, um, your security posture raises exponentially. Sure. And to, to give you an example, we, we have a client who has been with us almost since inception. And, um, last year, uh, they were deemed a critical infrastructure company by the Department of Homeland Security. So DHS provided this company with all sorts of free security services because of the, the nature of the company. And one of those security services was a simulated phishing attack where they sent an attack to 600 randomly selected employees. And as a result of the attack, crafted in conjunction with DHS and this company's IT department, only one person out of 600 took the bait. Wow. 
And that's a 0.17% click-through rate. It's uh, 18 times better than our best published result from any one of our competitors. And the reason that they were so successful is because that organization has ingrained security culture into the organization. Uh, Ninjio plays a huge part of it. It just so happens that you know, their headquarters is very closely uh, located to our headquarters. Uh, we frequent many of the same uh, lunch uh, restaurant establishments. Okay. And uh, like I'm wearing now that the viewers can't see my Ninjio t-shirt, I will have people come up to me and say, hey, where did you get that shirt? Or, hey, where did you get that hat? Uh, <laughs> you know, because they recognize the brand right. and, uh, and they're excited about it. And um, so, you know, that's, uh, that's a company that I can almost say has created a cultist-like culture okay. uh, around Ninjio within the organization. And so they've been very effective at stopping breaches. Um, in terms of measuring culture, which I think is a really important topic or kind of measuring the effectiveness of your program, right? There are what I'm going to call traditional methods of measurement and some new school methods of measurement. The traditional methods of measurement are primarily reactive. How many people took the bait on any given phishing attack, right? And that's a bit of a skewed metric because phishing attacks can be more or less complicated. Mm -hmm. They can hit people on a mobile device or on their desktop, which in some cases in the desktop, they're a little bit easier to recognize. Uh, people can be under different levels of stress when the simulated phishing attack comes across. And the more stressed out you are, the more likely you are to click on the bait. Mm -hmm. And so the results from those tests, while I think they're still important, can also be a bit skewed. Um, the other measurement of security awareness is how engaged is the audience in the training? In other words, mm -hmm. how many people out of 100 people are completing the Ninjio training on a monthly basis. And we encourage our clients highly to make it mandatory training so that you get into engagement rates of 90 plus percent. However, that's not the only way uh, to measure um, effectiveness of, of the program. There's some new school thinking where when we go back to simulated phishing, it's not only a matter of the reactive measurement of how many people take the bait, but it's the proactive measurement of how many people are reporting the phishing attacks. Mm -hmm. So in our case at Ninjio, we have a button that gets implemented into Outlook or Gmail that when you come across a simulated phishing or a real phishing attack, you can click the button to report it as suspicious. And the, the button is programmable to do uh, you know, various, uh, various things. Uh, as simple as forwarding the email to the security department, uh, or going as deep as uh, with with one of our products is, you know, going as deep as looking to see if other emails of that nature exist within the organization. So measuring the number of employees who actually report simulated phishing attacks is a very clear indicator of how culture has permeated within your organization. The second measurement you know, we encourage our clients to make Ninjio training mandatory, but we also encourage our clients to take certain episodes that they feel are important to their organization and put them up in alternative areas, such as, you know, putting them up on Slack or Microsoft Stream or on their security portal 
and offer those trainings up as voluntary. Mm -hmm. Then what you do is you measure what percentage of your employees are taking voluntary cybersecurity awareness training. And that is another proactive measurement of how engaged they are, how the culture is permeated throughout the organization. And so those two, you know, kind of proactive measures of, you know, both reporting and engagement, uh, we feel are really important to measure to get a good sense of security culture within the organization. Interesting. Oh, fascinating. Uh, a couple of questions that I hadn't thought of before, but like, so when you're crafting a, a phishing decoy, if, if that's the right term, do you purposely leave some clues? I mean, mm. you could make it almost, you know, so, so that you couldn't tell, yeah. uh, uh, or do you purposely leave, like misspell a word or the, the, the address that it's coming from is, you know, Apple with a dot, you know, before the, the final E, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. So, um, we offer our, our phishing service as uh, what uh, we, we thought we coined in the industry and found out that the name already existed, which is FAS, Phishing as a Service. Uh, okay. And so we collaborate with our clients on the simulated attacks, okay. and we collaborate with them on how difficult do they want to make the attack, right? We can make the attack look so legitimate that there is nothing that would give it away. And in that case, if there's simply nothing that would give the attack away, how can you really hold your employees accountable? Exactly, it, right? right? Yeah. It's hard to do. And so we will normally, on purpose, throw something in there that should indicate to the recipient of the simulated phishing attack, hey, wait a minute, this doesn't look quite right. right. And we do want to have some small giveaways in there where they kind of scratch their head and say, this doesn't look quite right. I'm not going to fall for the bait. I'm going to report this as a phishing attack. Exactly. Okay. Very cool. Uh, and then a question that came to me about the, you know, how many people are taking the training? How's that normally served up? Just like in my daily email, I'm going to open my email one day and there's going to be, oh, here you need, if it's mandatory, let's just say uh, that it's mandatory training you have to click on this link and, and go take this training or how is that normally served up? Great question. So we offer it up in, in basically two deployment methodologies. Uh, the first one is uh, what we call Ningio hosted or Ningio uh, hosted with a private portal. And essentially there um, the content all exists on our cloud-based learning management system. Mm -hmm. And we deploy the content on a schedule uh, that, uh, you know, we've come up with. It's normally uh, the first Tuesday or the Wednesday of the month, they'll get the episode. Uh, the following week, it's followed up with a, a reinforcement infographic to reinforce the teachable moments of the episode that they learned the week before. Okay. The week after that, another little uh, piece of material goes out called the anchoring cartoon. One additional reinforcement piece to reinforce the teachable moment of what they learn, because it's not only about educating somebody one time and then and then moving on. Right. It's about educating them and then reinforcing that education. Right. It's sure. super important. Um, so that's one delivery methodology is where it's consumed through our hosted platform with some and particularly our larger clients say, you know, organizations in excess of 50,000 employees. Mm -hmm. Many times they will have a mature 
uh, cybersecurity awareness uh, methodology in place. They may want to use Ningio to um, either take over, augment, or complement what they're already doing. And in that instance, many times they will download our content uh, into what's called a SCORM file. The SCORM file is a, is a file type that will basically fit into any legitimate learning management system. It's just a, you know, it's a, it's a file type that, that any certified LMS can use. Um, we also provide the files in HTML5 for use on their uh, uh, in, internal uh, HTML-based portals. We provide the file types in MP4s. Uh, we have many clients, universities, in fact, that will, you know, maybe um, uh, put four of the MP4 files together and then uh, put them up on their displays uh, around campus, maybe even before a football game, you know, or anything of that nature. Um, and the MP4s can be used in so many different ways. And that's the great part about Ninjio, right, is that we really don't restrict our clients on how the content gets used. Um, you know, obviously we don't allow them to modify it or alter it or make changes to it um, unless we're simply, you know, allowing them to co-brand it where uh, many of our larger clients, we allow their logos to be, um, and this is a service that we provide where we will burn their logos into the content to co-brand the content with Ninjio. Sure. Um, and so, so yeah, those are the basic two ways that it gets deployed, either through our SaaS-based solution or where the, the client can download the content and deliver it through their own delivery mechanism. Excellent. All right. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. This has been fascinating to me. There's, uh, I wish we could go on and on, but we're running out of time. So I want to I end with our final question that we like to ask all of our guests. So what is it that I failed to ask? So what, what does our audience need to know about cybersecurity awareness training or Ningio that, that I didn't think to ask about? Well, uh, upon introducing me and, and, and reading my bio, uh, you mentioned we teach employees and their families how not to get hacked. So let me expand on the family part. Okay. As part of every Ningio subscription, a, a, a full subscription to Ningio, each employee has access to a program called Friends and Family Use Rights. Hmm. What that means is they can go to a URL. They are given a specific, unique ID to their company. They can enter in their email address along with that unique, I think it's a seven digit ID. And then they have the ability to add the first name and personal email address of up to seven friends and family members who can receive Ningio content at no additional cost. Cool. And the theory here is that if we can get particularly the family members engaged in watching the content, they're going to keep themselves safer at home. And now the employee at work has some personal motivation, some personal accountability, knowing that the episode that they watched at work on a Tuesday is getting deployed to their family on a Thursday. Mm -hmm. And now they can sit around the dinner table and talk about a watering hole attack or talk about, you know, whatever it is that we covered. And as a family and as a family unit, you know, they can become better educated on the threats that are crossing us both at home and at work. And what that eventually does is it makes the employee or kind of uh, gives the employee this sense of, you know, Ninjio, while Ninjio is being deployed to me by my organization, I'm viewing it as not only a four minute breakout of my workday because it's entertaining, but I'm also viewing it as an employee benefit 
because it's being offered up to my friends and family at no cost. I love that idea. So now you're motivated, uh, uh, not only because it's your responsibility at work, but you know that when you get home on Thursday, your 17-year-old daughter is going to say, Dad, I didn't understand that waterhole attack. Explain that to me. So you better be able to explain it, right? That's right. That's exactly right. That's awesome. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much, Zach. This has been a lot of fun. I want to thank you for spending some time with us today. And I want to give a big thanks to our listeners for being with us. Please remember to like and subscribe if you found this podcast interesting. And join us next time for another episode of the Brilliance Security Magazine podcast. 